You're listening to the Sportsman's Empire Podcast Network brought to you by Full Sneak Gear. Check out their entire lineup at fullsneakgear.com. Also be sure to check out our entire stable of podcasts at sportsmansempire.com. Welcome to the Nine Finger Chronicles podcast, brought to you by Exodus Trail Cameras, the number one podcast for bow hunting product information and hunting stories from across the nation. And now, here's your nine-fingered host, Dan Johnson. Here we go again. Happy Monday, everybody. We all know Mondays kind of suck. We're heading back to the workplace. We're heading back to the office, especially after the weekend I had. Really busy. Had a great time with friends and family. I'm pretty proud of my daughter. Um, certain times in life, she or in her life thus far, if she gets into something kind of difficult, she will quit, and then she'll whine and cry and complain about it. But this weekend, our town held its annual festival, and uh, there was a fun run for kids, and my wife signed the kids up for it. Now, my son, right off the bat, he's only two. He ran about 40 yards, started crying, and then he was done. <laughs> so we had to put him in the stroller for about, uh, shit, I don't know, 100 yards of it. It was it was a 400-meter race, so maybe 100 meters of it we put in. Then we got closer to the end, threw him out. Now, my daughter, on the other hand, when the lady said go, she was off like a bandit. And much to my wife and I's surprise, she ran the whole freaking thing without stopping. And she ended up placing second for all girls ages zero to, I think it was five, and, and she's a four-year-old. So I didn't really care that she got second. I was pumped that she did the whole thing and didn't even quit. So that's what I was jacked about, and uh, I guess this is me bragging about my daughter. <laughs> so uh, I was pumped that uh, that she did that, and uh, I think running might be her thing. I don't know. You know, that stuff can change every day, especially at her age. So that's what I did this weekend. Hopefully you guys had a great weekend as well. Uh, now, today's podcast, we're going to be talking with a gentleman from Adam from Pennsylvania. His name is Adam Wirtz. He has transitioned his strategy over the last three years and has actually become successful doing it. He has followed the Dan Infault find the buck bed and hunt the buck bed type strategy. And Adam kind of applied that to his hunting situation and the last uh, couple years he's been successful doing it and uh, we talk about that transition we talk about how he approaches his season from a scouting standpoint also from once he does find a buck bed how he approaches it and uh, so this is a really cool interesting podcast because like I mentioned in this podcast and other podcasts I'm sure that you've listened to the deer on my farm that I hunt mostly are they they move around so much on every different wind direction so it's not like they're bedding in the exact same bed 
every day to the point where I can go out and find a buck bed. Um, I've been able to do that once, maybe twice throughout my entire life, but it's just a little bit different. Now, he talks a little bit about transitions, and that's something that I can definitely attest to is uh, finding the, the transition from the thick cover to the open cover and finding the sign in between that. Most definitely uh, a place you want to get a tree stand. But anyway, uh, he talks about that. Adam, a stand-up guy from uh, Pennsylvania. And then towards the end of it, we, we talk about how uh, he's gotten his wife involved in hunting as well. So that's kind of cool uh, follow-up at the end, tail end of this podcast. So uh, keep a keep an ear to the, I guess, earphones <laughs> the, entire, the entire podcast. But before we get into this podcast, you know, you hear me talk a lot about Deer Lab, right? In this, uh, uh, on the Nine Finger Chronicles. They are a partner of this podcast. But after entering in a lot of my trail camera pictures, my tree stands are set up this year in locations where I have gathered enough intel from Deer Lab, just from entering in my trail camera pictures, to say, okay. We are going to put my tree stands here because historic data from trail camera photos that I've put into Deer Lab basically tells me where I need to put my stands. So it's it's definitely something I really think you guys need to look at, uh, especially as the season starts to get closer and closer and closer. And uh, so go check out Deer Lab and you can get a free 30-day membership. Uh, if you go to deerlab.com slash nine fingers, and that's the number nine followed by the word fingers, and uh, you, you'll you be able to go in and uh, enter in all your trail cam photos and basically forecast deer movement on uh, the properties that you hunt. So uh, definitely give Deer Lab a try. Now, let's get into today's Hunter Profile podcast with Adam Wirtz from Pennsylvania. All right, on the phone with me all the way from South Central Pennsylvania, Adam Wirtz. How you doing today, man? Doing great, man. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Uh, how's your summer doing in Pennsylvania? You got the itch yet? Pretty good. Oh, yeah, I've had it. Oh, man, I've had it since uh, October 2nd of last year, actually. <laughs> <'cause> I, <laughs> yeah, the, uh, the deer I got last year, I got him on the opening night. Oh, so boy. ever since then, I've just been, yeah, yeah, so I've just been hammering it ever since, and I mean, I you know, you slow down a little bit in the winter times, just, right. you kind of hit, hit that little bit of a lull, but then, uh, yeah, I mean, start my scouting and stuff, you know, right away, and and then for the summer, just, you know, trying to catch up around here and stuff, and get ready for the season, planning some Ohio trips, and oh, you got an Ohio trip a good in year. the next. Yeah, yeah, I was planning three of them, but I think I might try and neck it down to two, you know, and maybe uh, one good one, and then, you know, one with the wife. So. Gotcha. Well, uh, today, this is going to be a Hunter Profile podcast, and we're just going to kind of shoot from, you know, the hip like we always do, but the place I kind of want to start is, you mentioned you shot your buck on opening day last year. Was that in Pennsylvania? Yes. Okay, so let's start. Let's start there. Um, you were was this a piece of public ground or a piece of private ground? Uh, well, like I said that uh, before we started recording, I had a little piece of the private ground that I hunted, but the 
uh, I did all my scouting in the spring and I found his bed on the public that was outside the private right, right. Uh, I don't know, 30, 40 yards up from the, from the posted line. So I actually killed him. I was sitting on public ground with the posted signs, like 10 yards behind me. Right. And that was the best place to be. Okay. So, I mean, I, I accessed the property where I accessed the stand where I went through a little bit of the private. So that was, it was nice having the access, but um, I mean, I can, I can get to that area from all public if I have to, it just takes longer. Right. So let's talk about this piece first. And I want to, we're, we're jumping right into it today, but um, I want to talk about, you said you found this buck's bed. All right. So Mm -hmm. first off, and, and, and I'll admit to this, I don't, I don't go out looking for buck beds. Um, I feel that, you know, and every, every, uh, uh, piece of property is different, but I think where I hunt, I have some, I don't, I don't have any marsh. I don't have, uh, I got maybe a, a little marsh, but I got a lot of ag fields with timber, you know, your typical Midwestern Iowa type of terrain. And oh, yeah. I, f- I feel that the, these bucks and, and not just the bucks, but the deer in general have several different bedding locations based off of different wind directions. So no matter what angle the wind is, they could have five or six different bedding areas based off that. And then they also yeah. have a bedding area based off of the time of year it is. So for me, I've I've never really went scouting and looking for buck beds. Now, is that something that you do a lot, and have you been successful doing that? Yeah, um, well, I mean, every situation is different, you know. In, I mean, out there where you're at, it's completely mm-hmm. different terrain and stuff like that. Right. Um, you know, and, and a lot of guys, a lot of guys that have been on your show recently have quoted um, stuff from the Hunting Beast and. That's that's basically where I spend a lot of my time. That's where I do a lot of my research, and I mean, there's it's an incredible group of guys. So that's where I picked up the you know the, the postseason bed scouting and stuff like that. Right. Um, and then two about two seasons ago or so, um, I actually went out and I found a lot of these beds, and because I killed a deer, the deer I killed in 2015, <clears throat> um, I killed him right below his bed. And then I did something that Dan Infall talks about a lot where you, you backtrack the deer to its bed. So that's what I ended up doing after that season. I went back up there and there's a transition line right above where I killed him. And, uh, he was actually, I found his bed, like a four foot, um, long bed there right on the transition line. So I knew it had to be his because of the size of the deer. So, um, and then I just kind of went along that transition line. And then as it opened up, I didn't find any beds. And then I found that it would be as like I'm cruising along that um, that military crest of the the hill, and every time I'd find like a couple of rubs that would pop up, and then it would start to get kind of thick. I'd always find a bed right there. So that's pretty much how I do everything now. I just speed scout everything until I find a good thick area with a cluster of rubs in it, and there's almost always a bed there. That's what I'm okay. finding here in in the areas that I'm hunting. So talk to us a little bit about you know go into more detail about the terrain that you hunt in central because you're based out of south central pennsylvania so talk about what that terrain is and then go into a little bit more detail of where exactly on this terrain you are finding those particular beds okay yeah um i mean most of the stuff that i hunt is rolling hill it's kind of 
kind of like a long valley, real, real long, like kind of a 10 mile long valley. And then you got a mountain on each side of you. Um, that's pretty much, I mean, that's where I grew up. It's got a mountain on the right and a mountain on the left as you're cruising out the valley. And it's just like, uh, they're, they're about 1100, 1200 foot, uh, elevation. Okay. And they're just real, real long. And they're just kind of up one side, go up across the top and then down the other side. I mean, you got your little fingers and stuff here and there. And that's how that, that private land I hunted had a lot of fingers on it. Um, which, you know, it's, it's basically the same thing that I find there as I, as I am on these big mountains and stuff. It's just, as you hit that crest, you start coming down off that crest really good on along the transition lines. I mean, right along them on the bottom edge, it sounds like, or it seems like the downhill side of them, them transition lines. And then from what I'm gathering is they just lay there, they face down the hill and they just catch the wind coming through the transition. I mean, the stuff's so thick, you can't even walk through it without, you know, jumping everything out of there. Right. If he's, if he's laying there, he, he's going to hear you from 200 yards away. I mean, it, you got to walk so slow, you get ripped up and shredded going through there. So, I mean, so when you say, try to get in from them. so when you say transition area, like a uh, transition area, you mean from thick cover to open cover? Yes. Yeah. It's yeah. a lot of, a lot of kind of mature timber. And then, um, the game commission here, they, over the last couple of years, they've been, they've been clear cutting big parcels of these public lands. I mean, they, they cut down, you know, 30, 40 acres, um they just they clear cut pretty much everything they leave some pines and some oaks and stuff and then everything else is just taken right down to the dirt and then that stuff grows back up and it just creates i mean insanely good bedding right right so you've taught yourself uh, with some uh, help from you know other resources to work that transition line and find you know optimal i guess optimal conditions for bedding and then typically on that transition line is where you'll find a couple big beds. Yeah. Yeah. That's the, like I said, the one I killed two years ago, he was, his bed was probably about four paces off the transition line on the downhill side. And it was probably about 20 yards from the outside corner of that transition line. If you could, if you can see what I mean, if you're yeah. like walking the bottom edge of the transition line, you got all the transition to your right, like, and you're walking out. So then you find the bed and then about 20 yards later, the transition line hooks real hard to the right. It's like a 90 degree corner there. Right. And it's all open timber to the bottom and, and way out to the right. And then he could see anything below him. He could see anything to the right. He could smell anything behind him. I mean, it's, it's perfect. It's just like everybody describes in, in the hunting beast. Right. Okay. So, in the spring, what time of year are you going in and doing your speed scouting? Uh, well, like I said, last year was really nice because I, I ended up tagging out right at the beginning of the season. So I had, you know, I, I got to take my wife. I like to take my wife out and stuff. So whenever, as I took her out, it was a lot of going in blind on some new areas. But, right. um, I mean, that's right away last year I started scouting as much as I could. And then I really like to scout right before turkey season comes in. Um I'm not a real big turkey hunter, but I mean, I like right. to be out there in the spring when I can. I actually didn't go at all this year. I just, you know, spent a lot more time thinking about deer and stuff like that. I just wasn't really into it this year, but, um, for the most part, I, I usually go right before turkey season comes in all the way up until green up. Once things start getting green, you can't see, you know, you can't really see very far. Right. Right. So is that, is that time of year when you do most of your scouting is that April yeah. time frame? Okay. Right yeah. before green up. Yep. Okay. Yep. And other than maybe some of those, you know, other than some of the, that transition, some of that thick bedding, is there anything else that you're looking for? Like, uh, 
uh, I don't know, pinch points or are you now specifically basically a bed hunter? It's, I mean, I, the last two seasons have been hundred percent beds. Um, I mean, I, I, I haven't had the luxury of finding a pile of them. So the ones that I do find, you know, I hunt them when I, when I know the time is right. Um, and then for the rest of the time, I'm basically scouting with my stand on my back. I'll go down, you know, these transition lines and stuff, see where the hot trails cut in and out of them. Try to hunt that way as much as I can. Um, and then there is, there, there is still your funnel hunting and stuff like that when the rut comes around. Right. Start, you start following the does around a little bit and, and seeing, you know, how many bucks you can get following them. Right. And that's actually the buck that, um, my wife's first and only buck that she's killed. <clears throat> we killed him that way. Kind of set up in a really good rut spot. Right. And, uh, yeah, he was, he was dogging some does and, you know, I, I just saw a little piece of rack on down this hall and I grunted to him once and he, he turned on a dime, came right into us. But no, so, for the most part, yeah, it's, it's beds. Okay. So, so in the spring you identify these, these buck beds. Um, and it sounds like you've had some success doing that. Now it's the, it's time. I take it. You mark that on a map, right? Or you remember where it's at on, on some of this, this ground that you're hunting. Now, when, after you find that, right, a lot changes from April, May, June, July, August, September, and then when does the uh, PA season open for archery? Usually, I mean, it's October 1st or September, like, 31st, whatever that Saturday falls on. Okay, so uh, let's just say, for all intensive purposes, October 1st. So there's a lot of time that goes by. Are you going in that area to do any other work, or do you just put that area in the back of your head and you go in with on a, with a running gun setup? That's that's what I do. Yeah, like I, I like to call it go and bow. I mean, yeah. I just that's it. Yeah, I just I find the beds in the spring. I mark them on a topo, and I have a um, kind of like a like a military canvas, um, like a pouch that I keep all my. I keep a tablet in, you know, one of the electronic tablets keep one of them in there a little tiny card card reader that plugs right into that and then i have uh you know my scouting journal and stuff in the back of that i have a moon guide in there um regulations books and right. uh you know and i have a, to- a part for a there's like an open up uh, clear plastic section you can put a topo behind that so i just kind of pull that out on market and then uh yeah i'll get on like google earth or whatever if i got if i got service you know i'll just put a little map dot on there okay so you found the bed, you know, you're marking it down, you're saving it for later. So now it's, it comes time to hunt it. Are mm-hmm. you, are you waiting for specific winds to hunt these specific beds or are you, you know, you found the right, you found the bed, you know where this buck is bedding and you just, you're depending on the wind direction is how you access that location. Talk to yeah. us about that. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's always about wind. I mean, I, you know, I'm I'm still pretty new to this stuff. I'm not near as good as a lot of these guys. But um yeah, it's it's all based around the wind. I mean, the stuff that Dan talks about, um you know, the bucks bed and like and like I said with the the transition line, you know, he's bedding there with that wind coming through that transition. I in my mind, I don't think he's going to be there if the wind is blowing, you know, across that stuff because he can't smell what's behind him. So right. he's either going to move or you know, I, I mean, I haven't had a whole lot of eyes on with where they are all the time, but that that's just what it seems like in my mind. It works better that way. And I've had, I've had good luck with it. I mean, the last two deer I killed that way, you know, you know from beds were 
based on that stuff. I mean, the one I killed two years ago, I wasn't in there specifically because I knew his bed was there, but I found his bed afterwards, matched that up with the wind direction for the day, and it was perfect. But the deer I killed last year, I mean, I it was the only spot I could think of with that east wind, and it was pouring down rain. I mean, the first day of the season last year was just raining all day. And, uh, it was, you know, it was an east wind, and I couldn't think of any other, because like I said, there's, there's, there's ridges run forever, you know, east to west. So when you have an east wind, it's hard to pick bedding based off the wind because you have to know, you know, where those transition lines are and stuff because he's kind of going to be bedding with the wind blowing through him. So instead of it coming over the hill, I think it was blowing through the transition to him, and that's why he bedded where he did that day. Yeah. And in my mind, you know, I, I went up there, wind to my back kind of, and cut across like a you know, couple cornfields and got up there and there was a transition line to the west of where he was and i got right up against it because i wanted to be if there was like a satellite buck bedding right on that transition i wanted to be able to bump that deer if i bumped him i wanted to be able to see him right. that's why i didn't come in from way below him so i came in from way off to the west followed right along that transition line and then i got to where because his bed is off like a kind of like one of the outside corners so I got right to that outside corner. I picked my tree from there and went straight down the hill, got up the tree. I didn't see a deer all night. I saw um, I saw one. I saw like a hoof. You, know, you see like the legs going through the trees like, I don't know, 100 yards away. Yeah. And, and then like, I don't know. I mean, it was it was just about closing time. I was getting ready to get, get ready to pack it up because I was, you know, it's like 55 degrees out and raining all day. I was soaked to the bone. Right. And, you know, you just get frustrated the first day. You don't think you're going to see anything anyway. Right. So, yeah, I just sat there until, you know, it was getting kind of dark. And right before I packed it up, I saw him coming. You know, he, he just poked out from behind his tree. And he ended up being a just a, just shy. It was like a eighth of an inch shy, 130 inches. Nice. So, yeah, yeah, I so, killed him at about 17 yards. Nice, nice. So you found his bed. You set up you set up just off of it. Right. And this was an evening hunt, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Right. So, so you weren't going and hunting right over top of his bed. How far away from where you set your tree stand up to the bed? Did you think he was? And, uh, did, I mean, were you, I mean, did you have to be ultra quiet setting up? I mean, did you know you were going in and, and hunting a buck? I mean, did you assume he was bedded right there the whole time? Yeah. Yeah. Like I said, I mean, with that East, with that, with that wind, the way that it was that day, <clears throat> I, I knew that that would be the only spot I could access that I actually had a shot. Um, and I, and I was really confident that he would be in there because there's, I mean, it's, it's on the public, but there's so little pressure in that spot because it's so close to that private border that nobody really messes with them in there. Right. So the deer kind of just, they, I mean, the box, I've noticed that they kind of get off their beds a little earlier than most real pressured areas, but it's not much earlier. And I know from the tree that I was in to his bed is only within 80, it's 70 to 80 yards, no more than 80. Right. And when I got to the edge of that transition, I'm like ultra quiet. It took me <clears throat> probably 20 minutes just to get 40 yards from that transition to where my tree was. I mean, I mean, it's like one step, you stop, and then you pick a tree, you know, 10 feet out in front of you, you kind of walk over to it, and then you hide behind a tree for a little bit, and let things cool down, 
then move to the next one and you keep doing that until you get to the tree that's that's how i do it okay. and uh like whenever the whenever we went and killed my wife's deer two years ago it was the same i mean it took us i mean almost two hours just to cover 200 yards we just creeping as slow as you can every time you make a noise you stop i, I think i think the deer will tolerate that a little bit more right right so so long story short you were you turned into timber ninja mode and you just were you knew where this bed was at you or you know not necessarily this buck because it sounds like you've been successful for what three years in a row now doing it it was it's two years yeah two two seasons um doing doing it this way um the end of like three seasons ago at the end of the season i i i was messing around with i mean i've been on hunting beasts for about four or five years now and i've been you know the first two years i mean it's like a struggle you try just to try and find the beds and then see how they move in the terrain and i mean i i use like the lee the leeward sides a lot um i converted two years ago to almost 100 percent evening hunts i haven't hunted in the morning in three years right so it's just it just works out better for me in the evenings i mean and then with you know with kids it's just it's so much easier to just you know kind of slip out in the evening instead of spending you know dark to dark right right so kind of going back to this you know this bed style hunting that you do you've located the beds um you 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 put it in the back of your head you know season hits you go set up on on these beds you know what happens i don't know if if it's worked so well that you haven't had like plan b you know had to go to plan b but have you ever hunted a bed and you're just like okay well nothing's there there it's maybe it's an old buck bed or the buck is relocated or he got jumped or spooked by another hunter how how long do you give those beds a chance until you have to move on and find something different uh well if if i was hunting like say that bed where i killed the deer i killed last year that bed my my old man actually found that bed a couple years ago before i even really even started looking into this stuff so he found it and he kind of like told me about it and then i ended up going back up there and finding it and back whenever he found it i mean like i I don't know four or five seasons ago or something and they were using it then he saw a mega buck come out of there one time and then um i i like i said i didn't know how to hunt it so then once i started figuring this stuff out they're still using it and then my wife actually we, we we had a real nice buck come in we didn't get a we didn't get to take him but he come in from the same bed um, not the season that just passed, but the one before that 2015 year, he was a giant. Um, he came down, he's probably like a one forties, one fifties. Uh, he come down out of the same bed. And so, I mean, they're, they're using it. They seem to be using it every year. And so like, if I would go in there and not, not be successful in my first hunt, then I would probably, I mean, I'm going to give the bed some time. Cause I, I usually, I usually don't even hunt the same tree twice in a season if I can help it. Right. Right. So, so you, you're just completely mobile, uh, based off of wind direction and, and, um, basically time of year, it sounds like, but, um, I mean, have you ever failed where you got too close to the bed, jumped the deer out or have, and, and, you know, never saw him again or, uh, ever, you know, try to, move in on a bed and then you're not successful because the the deer just isn't there anymore. 
Yeah, um, whenever I first started doing this stuff, uh, the, the bed thing, I I didn't really get the whole evening idea. So I was kind of doing it in the morning too. I was right. picking them. I was kind of picking the bedding off of maps, and I'd kind of go in there in the mornings. And like I've heard a lot of guys say, I mean, you struggle in the morning trying to be quiet, trying right. to pick the right tree. You know, you got your flashlight if you use one, and you know you're trying to shine it up. Because then I was using a climber. You got to look for branchless trees, and I mean it was a lot tougher. But I'd go into these areas, and um, knowing that there's probably a buck in there, and I would hear, I'd you know you'd hear the deer hop up and take off. You don't really know if it's a buck or a doe, but you just assume that it's that buck, you know, because it's only right. one deer takes off and then it doesn't snort; it just kind of disappears. So yeah, I mean in that way. I've definitely had, you know, I mean, countless failures doing that. Right. But, you know, switching over to this evening bed thing, I mean, it's, I don't really notice that I'm doing anything wrong. I'm sure I am. Because, you know, you go out there and some nights they don't show up. So it's, did the thermal shift? Did they take my center over there and he just kind of got up and wandered off? Or did he just wait till I left and then he came down? And one thing I definitely notice is I, I, I tend to get in kind of early. If I'm hunting in the evening, I usually like to, I like to be at the parking lot around 11 and then that way I can be set up one thirty, two o'clock. Some guys might like to get in a little bit later than that because, you know, they're, so they have something going on or whatever. So they, they try to rush in there at three, you, you end up getting in there loud. You, you know, you don't take your time as much. And then I think, I think the bucks are kind of start getting, they're starting to get ready to get up. So maybe they start getting more alert in my mind. That's how it works. They right. start to kind of pay, pay attention more to stuff. And, you know, and then I've noticed too, like I've jumped those on my way in, you know, bedding, I don't know, 100 and, 120 yards or so from, from buck beds, like the one I killed two years ago. I, the night that I killed him, he was bedding right above me and I didn't know it. I just assumed that he was up there and I actually jumped four doe on my way in and they were only bedding, like I said, I mean, hundred yards or so from him and they were snorting and, you know, going crazy. They took off and I, I didn't think I'd ever see anything. But being that they did that at one o'clock in the afternoon, I think it gave him plenty of time to come back down off of that, you know, relax a little bit, figure whatever it was, pass through. And, right. and then he, he ended up coming in, you know, same, pretty much same time. I mean, closing time, you're 10 minutes or so, you're going to start packing up and get ready to leave. And here he comes, you know. Right. So, it's, you know, it sounds to me like you're hunting some steep incline. Is that accurate? Yeah, I mean, it's not real, real steep. It's kind of, uh, I don't know, really know how to. It's, it's probably like, more, it's more rolling, really. Right. But okay. I mean, kind of about halfway up, it does start to get pretty steep in some of the spots. Right. Uh, I know, like you know, middle, uh, like central PA and, and up north and stuff, it's a lot steeper. You got twenty five, twenty seven hundred foot elevations and stuff, and it's pretty nasty up there, like Lycoming County and stuff. You know, I've never really, beer, I've never deer hunted up there, but I bear hunted and stuff. But down here, it's, it's like I said, it's mostly just rolling hills and kind of foothills compared to a lot of other places. So it's not necessarily like the Appalachian Mountains. No, no. Okay. No, it's, yeah, it's, it's just, I mean, there, there, there's definitely steep spots. Um, okay. But basically what I'm hunting, that's, that's why I, I kind of struggled at first finding these beds because it's, it's a little bit more difficult when you have just them rolling hills and they just go on forever, you know, just one long mountain range for miles. And it's kind of hard because there's no real, real hard terrain features like you got up northern, northern PA, Ohio. Right. You know, it's, 
it's a lot more jagged points and stuff like that. And I mean, you could pretty much pick bedding right off the map, but right. on these long hills, you you just pick that elevation line and just walk it until you start finding a sign. Okay. So do thermals play a, a big role in, in wind direction, uh, where, you know, where your scent is going <clears throat> when you hunt? Yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And I, that's like I used to get really frustrated, and I still do sometimes. Because right? I'm, I mean, I'm, I'm still a rookie when it comes to the wind. But I used to get so frustrated. Didn't matter what my weather set on my phone, I'd get set up there, and it was blowing a complete opposite direction. Didn't matter where I went. But and then then I started learning this stuff. You know, the thermals come into effect, and, and you always wonder like, why do why do wind shift? You know, an hour before dark, it's not. It says on my phone it's still blowing east, and it's right. completely the other direction. You know. So I never really, never really thought about it, you know, being thermals. And then once I learned about that, like uh, mapping trophy bucks, I read that book, got it for a couple dollars at some secondhand store, read that thing, and was like, you know, it just all clicked. And then I started using the milkweeds, and I mean, those things. <clears throat> I mean, you put a milkweed out, and like everybody else says, I mean, those things will float 50, 50 meters, and, and you can watch them go all the way down a hill, hook around a tree, go out into a cornfield, and turn left. I mean, it's it's pretty wild. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, you watch those things and, and nighttime you can, you know, when the sun's still hot, you put them things out and they'll float right, you know, right up the hill. And at right. nighttime you, you let them go as soon as that sun clears the trees. I mean, you put that milkweed out, it just floats right back down the hill. It's, it's pretty cool. So are you trying to put your tree stand in a location where, you know, by the time the buck gets on its feet and starts making his way toward you, you know, your, your goal is to be between where he's bedding and wherever he's heading, uh, probably a food source if I had to guess is how are you positioning your stand to, you know, so that in the evenings when that, uh, when that those thermal shift and start dragging downhill, how are you, I mean, how are you positioning your tree stand so you're not getting busted by this buck? Well, what I usually do, I usually position to where the buck has the wind. He's got the wind in his favor. Like his, I always have his bed off to my one side. Like, you know, if you're looking at the, the compass, it'd be like, I'm looking north and he's kind of off to my Northwest. If the wind is going, you know, North right. or, you know what I mean? It's, it's, he's just kind of off that little bit of an angle. That way, whenever he's coming into me at night, He's just barely crosswind, and then if my thermals have shifted before he comes down, uh, it's even better for me. You know what I mean? So right. if he comes in a little bit early, my wind is just going to be off to him to where once he once he passes in front of me and he gets to like my ten o'clock, he's in my wind and he's got me. Yeah. So you know, and, and that's that's in the the wind thing. I mean, it's a huge thing. You know, if you don't pay attention to it, and and the wind and the beds, I don't know how how else to do it really i mean there's you know there's funnel hunters and stuff like that you know you got your your funnels and your pinch points and all that stuff and that stuff works great but i found that this this bedding thing just makes things a lot easier for me i just find a bed find a tree to hunt it out of and just you know one if you find 20 of them in one year and you got enough for four or five you know stands per wind you can bounce around right right all right so the, the next question is where are these beds located? You know, we've, we've talked about where they're located on, 
as far as the terrain in the transition between open timber and thick cover. But where are these beds located in regards to food sources? Um, well, like on that, that private piece that I had access to, um, they were just up the hill from it. Uh, that, that private had the, 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 the one side of the road had four fields and all four of the fields were about 30 acres apiece. The whole property was about 550 acres, but the, uh, the one side, like I said, had four fields, about 20 to 30 acres apiece, um, all split by these little rows of trees. And then on the other side of the road, it had kind of one big field with one little tree line in between it. And that, that field was probably a hundred and some acres and all the beds are just uphill from them. I mean, so the fields are kind of, the ag is down low and you got, you know, your ridge runs up and then they're, they're just right above the food sources. That's, that's what I've been finding. Okay. Now, same question, but where are the doe, where do the does usually bed? They, they always, they seem to bed between the bucks and the food. That's, that's what I've kind of picked up at least on, at least around that property. Um, and anywhere where, where I've found you got ag down below, you know, cornfield and soybean and stuff like that down low in the, in the kind of in the hollows. And then you go up the hill and as you're running up the hill, it's like you find the does first and then the bucks are up top. It's, that's just how it always works for me. Right. Right. Okay. And, and because of that, right. Are you going in past the does? Are you, is your stand location? Are you trying to get in between the bucks and the does or just between the food source and the buck bed? I try to get as close as I can to the buck. So that usually puts me above the does and below the bucks. That's, okay. that's how I've done it the last, the last, you know, two seasons. I've, I've tried to try to get up just above the does. And like I said, la- two seasons ago, I, I jumped a bunch of does trying to go in there. I wasn't right. up high enough, but I, di- I didn't know exactly where the bed was. So I didn't want to, I, you know what I mean? I didn't want to be up too high and risk bumping him. I'd rather bump the does and, and maybe he would stick around, which in that case he did. Okay. So, how often then, I mean, you know, for every scenario is a little bit different, right? I mean, sometimes yeah, the does yeah. are bedding closer to the bucks. Sometimes they're bedding further away. How often do you have run-ins with does uh, on their way to a food source that, you know, because the whole point is if, a, if this buck steps into your wind, he's probably going to get an arrow because he's... You know, if he catches the wind, he's within shooting range, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Most of the time, unless unless he skirts way out around me, which right, I which hasn't been the case for me yet. I mean, I haven't had one get too far away from me. Not you know, not not since I've been since I've been bed hunting. But I mean, most of the time, I don't really see those. You know, I see him, you know, milling around pretty far out, you know, down below me or or whatever. I'll have one slip through or something. But usually, the deer I see is the buck. You know, that's that's how it was last year and. And the season before that, the only does I was really seeing was down below and the stuff I would jump going in. Right. Okay. So then um, your access route probably has to change too. If, you, you, if you're identifying this buck bed, you, you know that there's going to be does bedded around, you know, between point A and point B. So you have to, you know, so you have to change your access route as well, I take it to avoid bumping yeah. these does. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that's, that's kind of a tough part. Cause I seem to always kind of jump a doe here and there, you know, and I hate pressure and deer. I, I hate, 
I hate jumping them. Anytime I jump one, it you know it bothers me and it just gets in my head a little bit. But you know you're going to do it, and God only knows how many you bump without even knowing it. But right. you know, and that's a lot of the spots I hunt are pretty open. You know, it's a lot of real open timber, and then where you find these real nice pockets of these transitions, or you know you go up the hill and there's a thick spot or something, that's where they're bedding. And I mean the does can see pretty far. So right. I mean countless times I've walking up you know trying to side skirt a hill and then there'll be a doe you know 100 yards out in front of me and she'll stand up and take off and you know, it's kind of good i think sometimes whenever they're out there pretty far because they don't blow at you you know what i mean they just they stand up they see you and they just take off and right. just, it sometimes works out you know but yeah i mean access is really it's i mean so important and i struggle with it you know it's still pretty new to me i mean trying to figure out how to get way out around a property or whatever and then you got other guys and you know i don't i don't run into too many guys too often because i get pretty far in um but you know you do you do have to take that into consideration you know you don't want to you don't want to be crossing paths with people every time you go out right right so let's talk a little bit of i mean it sounds to me like you you're you're kind of getting on a trend right this year and last year and even the previous year you did it, but not knowing that you did it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. The, the three years ago, it was a lot of, like I said before, leeward Hills. I mean, I was, I was on the leeward side of the Hill and I would, I, every time I did that, it didn't matter what the sign was showing, you know, because the, the sign was always on the one side of the Hill. It's, I mean, it's up there any time of year, there's always sign there. And then every time the wind would shift, I would hunt the opposite side. Like, you know, Dan Infault says on uh, his first DVD, um, I would, I would switch that side and I would constantly see, I mean, especially when you're coming into the rut, I would constantly see, you know, younger bucks chasing those back and forth on them ridges. And then like any saddle you'd find on them ridges, the deer always crossed them saddles. I mean, it's just a lot of stuff to do with terrain. I mean, when you start to learn how to read the terrain, you really, I mean, you can really piece this stuff together. Right. Okay. So then, so then after you, you know, you've kind of got the the hang of this, um, this upcoming year, have you already scouted? Have you already identified where you're going to be hunting this upcoming season? Uh, well, I mean, being that I lost that access, I kind of had all my eggs in one basket <laughs> and right. then I lost access to that private. And now I kind of got to start all over. And I knew that, you know, the last couple of years, like, man, I got to start, I got to start finding some other spots. Cause it's just going to be a matter of time. Cause I mean, me and my dad, we would mow grass to these people. We were always mowing grass every Sunday. We had an agreement all summer long. We would mow grass for them. If we had access to hunt the property, they were totally cool with it. And then, you know, like I said, last year, one of my trail cameras came up missing. They said that it was in the wrong spot, which it definitely wasn't. There was one spot where the guys said we can not go. So we made sure we never went there. They took my camera. I still can't get it back. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I had, you know, I waited around too long and, but now, like I said before, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm planning a lot for Ohio and I've been looking a lot of stuff on the maps and trying to figure out where to go out there. I talked to a game warden whenever I was out there and he, he, he drew up a bunch of spots on the map for me and told me where he's seen some, some real, real big deer. So I got a lot of hope in that, but we'll see. So have you, you, know, have you been out but, uh, and actually done any scouting on the hoof down in Ohio yet? Uh, yeah, me and my wife went there. It was like three weeks ago or so we went out, um, we went out to Ohio and just kind of spur of the moment, just jumped in the car and took off, dropped the kids off at my mom's house on the way out and uh, shot over there. And we spent two days out there 
um, just walking around. There's a lot of cliffs and stuff like that. Totally different terrain than what I'm used to. Right. But I mean, there's definitely sign out there of them, and um, we saw a lot. You know, we saw quite a few deer in the fields and stuff like that. You know, driving around, we see some does and stuff. I, mean, I don't think we saw any bucks, but um, you know, it's just totally different. I got to learn how to hunt it. Right. And the spot that we went, I'm, I'm probably going to rule that out because it's a lot of it's a lot of access to it. I mean, there's like big roads and stuff. I mean, it's kind of weird for me to get used to all the county roads out there. They say it's like a county road. You would think it'd be paved, but it's all dirt or stone. And, yeah. you know, so I, it's hard to see from a map what road is actually like accessible. You know, you can see the road on the map, but is there a gate there? Is it, you know, I, I don't even know what this road is. You know, like around right. here where I'm at, every road is paved. So okay. I don't have that problem. Right. Yeah. That's uh, one thing I, I know in different states. Like uh, when I lived in Alabama, they had a lot of paved, they had a lot of paved roads around the area that I was at. Now in Iowa, man, you get off a you get off a, a main blacktop uh, or highway, it's all gravel, so it's all rock, yeah. uh, you know, a rock road. So um, that you know that doesn't necessarily limit access because you know if you live in Iowa, you're used to driving on those kind kind of roads but uh right then they they have what is called a level b road and those are dirt and mud so if it rains there's no going through those unless you get right like yeah a a four-wheeler or a side-by-side or something like that no doubt yeah Um, it's i mean that's that's totally different you know than than what we got here right right so you you kind of lost access to a a piece of public ground uh and you're gonna you're starting to jump over into ohio um what made you decide that you wanted to go over and hunt ohio and not stay hunting some public ground in uh south central pa uh well basically the only reason for me is i'm just i don't want to sound like you know crazy or nothing but i i'm just kind of tired of killing just one buck a year you know i'd like to i'd like to be able to get two a year you know and or at least have the chance to, you know, and in Ohio, they, they run their season from like October 1st, all the way to middle of February or first week of February. So, I mean, you don't, it's nonstop. You can bow hunt all year long, you know, down here, our boat, our bow season runs from October to, you know, like a week or so before Thanksgiving, like second week of November, it goes out and then right. comes back in. I mean, you could bow, you could bow hunt the rifle season with the orange army, but I never, you know, it's, it's too hard to get out there and try to find a spot and, you know, it's just crazy out there in the rifle season here, but that's, that's pretty much why, I mean, I just want to give it a shot, you know, try and try and maybe kill two bucks a year. And then all the stuff you hear about Ohio, I mean, all the big bucks and stuff out there, like it's getting really good in PA. I mean, from the handling restrictions and stuff and it's getting to be where I mean, a hundred inch deer is getting to be pretty common. You know, you see them right. quite often. I, I can't tell you how many hundred inch deer I've passed already, you know, so and then last year, I mean, I had I had a goal set to all I wanted to do was shoot a 130 last year. I wanted to kind of up the bar because I was shooting, you know, 110s, 115s, you know, for a couple of years. And I just really wanted to shoot a 130. And then I ended up shooting a 129 in like seven eights or something, pretty close. But <laughs> were you disappointed yeah. when he was when he was like an eighth of an inch short? Yeah, I mean, just because I wanted to get to that 130, you know, it's like, right. oh, I just would have loved to have 130. But, I mean, this is all gross anyway. He's a, he's a nine point, so I guess I'm not too good on the scoring and stuff, but I'm I'm sure, like, typical, they would they would deduct that, that ninth point. 
But oh yeah, but know, that's, he's that's net. Who cares about that shit? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No one ever cares about net. Right. I mean, it's it's all gross to me. And you know, when you, I mean, a one thirty pa deer is a pretty good deer. You know, there's definitely right. guys. You know, some areas that I hunt, um, some of this public ground that I've hunted, my taxidermist has one sixties hanging on the wall down there that you know he mounts for people that were taken in the same areas that I hunt. Right. So it's right. getting to be, you know, you're you're definitely starting to kill some pretty nice deer in PA. But right. you know, you, Ohio, you still got them. You got some pretty good giants in Ohio. They're a lot more right. common, I've heard. So it's not that you're putting all your eggs in your in a basket for Ohio. You're still going to hunt some, uh, the public ground in PA, but you're going to be making oh, yeah. a couple trips to Ohio. I take it. Oh yeah, as well. Yeah, okay. yeah, definitely, definitely going to be hunting PA just like I do any other time. I mean, I'm not going to I'm not going to hold out any different, or right. you know, I'm going to. I'm going to just go at it. And I mean, I would love to eventually kill a 170 in PA. It's going to take me a while, probably, you know, unless I get lost in the course. But I mean, that's, that's kind of the goal, you know, and, and I mean, I got to shoot a lot of 130s, 120s, 140s in between here and there. But, you know, you just, you just keep going and, and someday you'll get there, you know, and I'd like to kill one. So I'd like to kill a Booner someday in my life, you know, right. and that's, that's one big thing with Ohio too. I mean, you, your chances of killing a Booner in Ohio is a lot better than, than in PA. I mean, they're definitely right. here. But, you know, they're a lot more common out there, I've heard, so. Oh, yeah. Okay. So, you're going to be taking some trips, right, uh, to Ohio. And um, what time of year are you, are you saving that for the rut? Is that going to be specifically rut hunts, or are you going to maybe go pre- or post-rut? Uh, yeah, yeah, it's, it's going to be a, a pre and the rut it's kind of that's kind of how i'm got it planned right now i was thinking about going sometime like right right around halloween somewhere and then my second trip would probably be right after the pa uh season closes so i think our season closes whatever it is like the 12th so i think i'm going to go out that next weekend um of november so you know like the 20th or something like that of november and go out then um just just to kind of say and keep hunting you know i don't when the season closes here i'd like to have another a backup plan right right so let's see here i I never did ask you at the beginning of the podcast what do you do for a living i work for a utility company okay all right Uh, natural natural gas yep gotcha so how much vacation time do you typically get a year no we get we get two weeks uh for your first i actually in january i'll roll over to a third week um but we get we get two weeks um a vacation we get three personal days and we get plenty of sick time too so i mean it's pretty good you know i get to i get to drag out quite a few days nice okay now with that said you got two kids right yep right i i take it your your is your wife understanding about you know hey i'm 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 out of here uh for a handful of days, like a week or whatever, I'm going to go to Ohio and you're going to be a single mom. Is she, is she cool with that? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I usually, I limit myself to this year. I'm just going to do like Friday, Saturday, Sunday, maybe squeeze a Thursday and a Monday in there to okay. try and not be going so long. Um, but I mean, she, she loves to hunt, you know, she, she's, but she was oh, born and raised okay. in San Diego. Okay. Yeah, she was born and raised in San Diego. I mean, hunting was completely foreign to her until she met me. And then I dragged her back to PA and I mean, you know, ever since then she's been kind of into it, but you know, she, her family's not here. So for me to just disappear for a week is, you know, it's pretty selfish really. So I try to, you know, I try to limit that time. And this, 
this year will really be my first year where I actually go out of state and at all really, but right. to, you know, to hunt for a couple of days. I mean, whenever we, the year we had my boy, you know, I, I went upstate uh, PA for a bear, for a bear hunt for like four or five days. And that was just, I shouldn't have done, you know what I mean? It's right. pretty selfish and just disappeared. And she's got a three month old kid at home, but <laughs> you know, oh, those are, those are learning experiences, right? Yeah. Yeah. That's for sure. Yep. You just, you don't do that twice, you know? Right. So, but yeah, I mean, I, she's very understanding, you know, for the most part, it's just, like I said, I mean, it's, you got to draw that line, you know, when you know, you know, you're doing something that it's, it's just not fair. You know what I mean? Right. Right. So I want to, I want to transition that over, you know, over to that just a little bit and talk about, cause that's one thing we don't necessarily talk a lot about on this podcast. And that is, you know, I have, Oh, I have a pregnant wife and I have two kids and how many kids do you have? I got two. I got a boy and a girl. Okay. And what are their ages? Oh, uh, my boy just turned six and my daughter will be five, uh, on labor day. Okay. So how, when you go hunting around home, how far are you from your hunting properties? Uh, like that, that private area that I got, I'm, I'm right now, I'm only 20, 25 minutes from it. Okay. Pretty much everything I hunt around here is within a half hour. Okay. There's a, there's a new piece of public that I got. It's on the same, it's in the same game lands that I grew up on and hunted my whole life. Um, it's in the same game lands, but it's on a different mountain range. Like the mountains, like a U shape and there's a big valley in between. Um, the two mountains are connected though. And this, this new mountain I just kind of discovered last year um, that's the one I've seen before. Like I, I know guys have killed, uh, I think a guy killed a 167 on it two years ago. Um, so it, I mean, it's a good mountain. It's definitely a lot of deer up there, but I'm, you know, I'm just starting to learn that mountain, but that's only, I mean, that's between my house and my kids' school. So that's, they take 10 minutes to get over there. Right. Okay. So, so when you're hunting PA, you're not hunting too terrible, you know, too far from, from the house. No, never. Okay. So then how, how often do you hunt throughout the year? I know this year you were lucky, right? Uh, it sounds like you were kind of oh, yeah. like me where you, you tagged out opening day. Uh, and I, yeah, I put I in, I put up, in, I think it was like six hours. <laughs> right. Right. So, you know, sometimes we all get lucky and we can have a season like that. Last year I, I had one of those seasons where, you know, I was scheduled for two weeks of vacation and then I ended up, uh, you know, tagging out on I think the second night yeah the second night right uh I I tagged out and killed my buck but there's also the years that the you know we we grind it out right we have to go in and we're hunting like 14 15 16 you know I can remember one year this is way before I was married or kids where I put in like 45 days in the tree stand so yeah how off like for for you and your wife and your kids, is is there a threshold where okay it's deer season I'm cool with bow hunting but after a certain amount of time okay she you know she's sick of it. Uh, I mean if yeah if I was grinding it out all the time yeah it would be you know it would just get right. to be to where it's just too much you know what I mean because right. it's just a lot of you know a lot of time away I mean I, I work quite a bit too so i mean i you know like last week i put in 
14, almost 14 hour days every day. And then in the wintertime, I mean, we're on call a lot and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just, I, I have to manage my time pretty well, but kind of going back to what you said earlier, I mean, I, I usually hunt uh, every Saturday and it's always Saturdays. I'm definitely going to be out there. It doesn't matter if it's you know raining or 40 mile an hour winds. I mean, I'm going to be out there doing something, whether it's scouting with the sand on my back, you know, and then just kind of observations or whatever, you know what I mean? Right. Um, but other than that, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm hunting every Saturday and then I take off some time, you know, I take, take a couple, couple days off and then, you know, like mornings and stuff, I'll hang out here at, at the house. And that's, that's one thing that really worked well with the bed hunting. I mean, hunting in the evenings. I know a lot of guys have success hunting them and hunting them in the mornings too. I don't see how they do it unless you're getting in there at two o'clock in the morning. And then they're, you know, I would be afraid that they're going to smell you coming in and all that stuff. But yeah, I mean, it's, I, I hunt as much as I can, but I try to keep it reasonable too, you know? Right, right. Makes a lot of sense. Um, so I take it that you, by by you only hunting the evenings, it's easier. It's an easier pill for her to swallow because you're spending the entire morning with the family. You're you know you're spending, uh, you know you're doing work around the house, and then you know well, okay, well I'm I got my chores done. It's time to go out and hunt. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I you know wake up in the morning, you make you make the kids breakfast and stuff, hang out with the kids and you know, watching, you know, they're, they're big into like coloring and drawing and stuff. So you just sit and watch them do that. And then, you know, make them breakfast, like I said, and, and hang out with them a couple hours and then, right. you know, pack up at 10, 10 o'clock, start packing up and getting ready. And, you know, and then like, I got to eat too, you know, I, I, I always take food in with me and stuff. And you know, if you're hunting in the afternoon only, usually I can get away with just like a sandwich and a drink, you know, Yeah. but hunting, cause I used to, I mean, like three years ago, me and my old man, we would meet up at like one forty-five. We'd meet up in the morning, and we would hike. It's like a just over a mile and it's like a mile and three quarter. We would hike back, and it's right up the backside of this mountain. It's, you're going from pretty much you know zero feet to eleven hundred feet straight up, and then you get to the top. And we would you know hunt the top, kind of like the other side of the mountain on the top. But like I said, we'd meet up at one forty-five, two o'clock in the morning, and we'd be like, I, I remember still setting up and as, as it's like gray light outside. So, I mean, that's, that, and, that, and then you'd hunt. Yeah. And I mean, I would, I would hunt, I would hunt, uh, you know, all day, you know, you sit there and that was back whenever I had a climber, I, I couldn't hunt that long now in a, in a lone wolf, but you know, I was sitting at summit all day long until it got dark again. And then it would get dark. And then in the early part of the season, it gets dark at seven thirty. you know what I mean? So right. you're putting in, you're putting in a, like an 18 hour day in a tree stand you climb back down your legs are wobbling you throw your stand back on your back and you hike your two miles back to the truck get in the truck and then get home at 9 30 10 o'clock at night you know what i mean right. it's like that's a long that's a long time away right. you know i don't care who you are that's a long long time in the, in the woods it's a long time away from your wife and kids and it's just and right. like, you know god only knows what's going what's going on out there and your cell phone always dies at one o'clock in the afternoon so you know what i mean it's just <laughs> that's right <laughs> it's, it's, it's demanding. You know, it's definitely demanding doing it that way. Right. So you mentioned your wife, uh, was born and raised in, in San Diego. What was that? Yeah. What was that transition like for her, uh, to like, to get her into hunting? Was it something that you were like that, that she was completely green about and she didn't understand or were, and did you kind of like, Hey, why don't you, you know, why don't you just come with me sometime or did you make her come with you? What was, what was that like? 
No, no, it was real easy. I mean, her her dad uh, her dad actually hunts a little. I mean, he he went on a couple hunting trips. He uh, he actually shot a mule deer, like a five by five, really nice mule deer. He killed with a couple buddies, uh, I think in Wyoming. Uh, so I mean, she was you know pretty much familiar with it, right. um, and it, you know it had been around, and they they had eaten deer meat. <clears throat> I don't, no, maybe not deer meat, but you know mule deer meat, and I think they've had elk meat and stuff like that around their house. And it, but it wasn't like a big thing. It's definitely not a family tradition. Her dad just went with a couple buddies from work, um, and then you know where I, I we moved back here. Um, she agreed to move back here, and so we came back here. We got a place, and I mean it was what I did. So. You know, we we went and I mean, she she got pregnant right away. So you know, it was pretty much killed that in you know, the first season. Um, right. Was pretty much shot. Uh, I took her out a couple times and you know, drug her out there, and she got you know morning sickness and stuff, and going out sitting on the ground. <laughs> um, I'm like, yeah, it's kind of a crazy situation. I mean, I was up above her in a summit tree stand, and she's sitting on the ground. You know, and she'd like, and she was like sick, and, and then the very first the very first time we ever hunted together took her out and it was that situation i was up in the tree in the climber and she's on the ground we hunted in the morning so like 9 30 in the morning or whatever i was like well i may just get out of here so i climbed down and uh you know we were i was just getting a tree stand off the tree and i heard something coming and i like look over and i could see something moving but can't tell what it is and it you know it's the first day of the season it's real real thick so out pops this bear and it's only I mean, it's definitely within 15 <laughs> yards probably 10 to 15 yards this big sow steps out and she had four cubs with her. I'd never seen a, a, a sow with four cubs. She, I, I don't know if she adopted one or what, but yeah, her and four cubs come stepping out. I mean, 10 to 15 yards right in front of us. They didn't, they didn't see us. They just kind of skirted around through us. But I mean, it's just, you know, I, I couldn't believe she didn't, didn't want to kill me after that. You know what I mean? But <laughs> did she flip out? But yeah, I mean, no, no. Was, I mean, she's a really adventurous girl. You know what I mean? She's right really into that kind of stuff, loves being outside, loves being outdoors and, you know, critters are cool and stuff like that. So, you know, she really liked him. It was really interesting. It's, you know, scary at the same time. It's like, you know, freaking thing was like 10 yards from you, you know what I mean? Your right. very first time out in the woods and, you know, it's kind of like a shell shock thing, but, right. uh, you know, other than that, I mean, yeah, she took to it real well and then, uh, took her turkey hunting a couple of years, like, uh, three seasons ago, we went out turkey hunting together and, and she killed a, she killed a, a nice bird. It was like a seven inch, six inch beard, Jake. Right. Um, right. And then right after that, right after that, I worked a bird across the field and I killed him as, so she killed a Jake in the morning and, uh, and then I killed a bird right after that. So that was pretty cool. You know, and she was like hooked on that, <clears throat> you know, really, really into the turkey hunting thing. Cause you know, turkey hunting, you get to move around a lot more. You don't have to be like as rock solid. You don't have to worry about the wind and, you know, you just run in there, right. you can listen to them gobbling. It's a lot more action packed. A lot, right. you know, it's, it, that's a good thing to start people out. If you're going to start people out, start them out in turkey hunting. You know, it's warmer most of the time, and and you got action all the time. Right, right. So let's see. Your your son is six, and your daughter's how old? She'll be five. Uh, okay. in, like next week. Okay. So or no, have, it's September. I'm sorry. Yeah. Okay. So have they expressed interest in uh, going hunting with daddy? Oh yeah, yeah. They definitely they're into it. I mean, they're they're not uh, they're not real real like uh, I don't watch the hunting shows on TV. The only thing I ever watch right. is like Dan Infold stuff. I watch right. all his you know his DVDs and stuff like that. But you know when I'm watching them, it's not like a you know gather around the TV kind of thing. It's just me sitting there in the corner watching this DVD. So I mean, it's 
but the, yeah, I've definitely had it on. I mean, I, I do like to watch hunting shows every now and again, like in hunting season, just for entertainment value, you know, just to see big bucks on TV. And right. I mean, they, they really like it and stuff. I mean, they get kind of jacked up about it. And I think, I think my boy would definitely be into it. I mean, I think my daughter will even be into it. She's really into it. Right. Already, they ask, so. Do they ask a lot of questions? Uh, not a lot of questions. They just kind of, you know, it's like, Oh, we're going to go shoot a deer with dad. You know what I mean? So right. they just kind of talk about it and stuff. But <clears throat> I mean, it's, it's not a real big, big talked about thing around. I mean, just, this is what I do. You know what I mean? I just, right. I'm on the computer a lot looking at stuff and, but yeah, I, I definitely think that they will. I mean, if my boy's anything like me, he'll definitely be into it. Cause I, my, my dad took me out. I mean, I was in the woods with him. I was probably five or six he was taking me out in the summers and stuff like that. We'd videotape deer back whenever he had this big shoulder mounted camera with a VHS tape. We could sit out in the woods and we videotaped a lot of deer. And then I spent, you know, all the time outside of that, I would sit at home and watch those movies that he taped, you know, I'd see like the videos of him up at bear camp and stuff like that, hang out with my uncles and, you know, just stuff like that. It was like, really, I was really into it, you know? Right. So, but you know, in PA, you can't hunt till you're 12. So, and then back then, there wasn't this mentored youth program that they have now. So, like, there was no going out and shooting a deer, but, you know, dad tags it and you shoot it kind of thing, you know, like there right. is now. Right. So, I gotcha. you know, like I'm, I plan on taking him, you know, him this year turkey hunting a little bit. And when, you know, whenever spring rolls around again, get him kind of into it that way. Okay. Well, you know, we're coming up on, on, uh, the end and this is a horrible time to ask this question because we've already talked about it but do you use trail <laughs> cameras at all not really i mean i did whenever i had that private piece um i used them and i actually found like the biggest deer that i had pictures of he was he was in the 150s um probably low 150s i had pictures of him and and uh i didn't know where he was bedding i mean i had no idea at the time because this is kind of before all that bedding stuff came in but um I had this camera set right in this little tree line between two soy field or bean fields. And, uh, and I was getting pictures of them all the time. And, you know, I, I didn't really think too much about where the bedding was cause it was summertime. But, uh, you know, I'd go in there like every three weeks I would go in and check them. And I actually, me and my dad bumped him. He was right. He was like right in the middle of the soybean field. There's a little patch of trees, probably 60 yards from where I had that camera. And he was bedding in there with one of his other bucks that he was always on camera with. Right. So we bumped him out of there, and then from then on, it's like, oh, this is where he beds in the summertime. And it's a perfect, it's a dynamite bed, but for the rest of the year, as soon as some leaves drop, I mean, that it's, you can't bed in there. Right. But, um, but no, not, I mean, not really. I, I got a couple out right now on a, on a public piece pretty far away that I hunted a couple times when I was a kid, but my dad and a buddy of mine wanted to put him out there. And so we went out and put him out. Um, it'd be nice to see something on there, but I just, I'm too... I'm too afraid to spend the money on cameras and have guys take them because it's right. It just happens all the time. I mean, everybody's yeah. always losing cameras or losing tree stands or, or whatever. So that's why I'm, I'm mobile. I, whatever I carry in, I carry out, you know? Right. Right. Makes a lot of sense. Makes a lot of sense. Well, I tell you what, man, I, there's uh we're, we're coming up on time here, but uh, I'd love to get you on again and talk about that, that run and gun setup that you, uh, Absolutely. That you have. And uh, uh, that's a whole nother conversation. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, it's, yeah, I can go into it for hours really, but I mean, right. like I said, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crazy good at it like a lot of these other guys, but I mean, you know, the first couple of years of trying it out, it's, it's working for me, you know, and right. it's like, I, I, I try to tell people about it, try to express it. You got to get on the hunting beast. You got to learn this stuff. You got to watch these DVDs, but 
I, you know, a lot of people just don't, you know, well, I just like my summit climber and I'm going to hunt the way I hunt. <laughs> yeah, that's a fact. Uh, and it sounds like, yeah. you know, it sounds like you're definitely on your way. I mean, you've taken the information and, and that's the whole thing that, you know, it's, uh, it's the principles, right? Um, yeah, a lot, absolutely. A, a lot of these, a lot of these principles can be no matter where you like for example, the hunting beast, right? Dan Infault is great at, mm-hmm. at at identifying buck beds, right? But he hunts in a different yep. terrain than a lot of people do. Uh, he doesn't. You know, yeah. A lot of people don't hunt in those marshes. But I'm not saying that oh, it, yeah. it won't work in those in the marshes. Just like you, you yeah. you applied that principle to your scenario, and it, yep. it's worked out great. So um, yeah, that's a, that's a testament. Yeah, that's what you have to do. Right. That's that's what you have to do. I mean, the, the harder you work at anything, I mean, it doesn't matter what you're doing, work building cars, doing whatever. You know, the more time you put into it, the more you think about it, the more you study, the more you learn, the, the luckier you seem to get. You know, everybody always tells you, oh, you're just the luckiest dude I know. I can't believe you just go out there and kill a deer like that the first night. But it's not luck whenever I'm preparing all night, right. all day, every right. day, you know, all season long. And when I'm in the tree looking at deer, I'm thinking of another deer. You know what I mean? Right. And that's like Dan always says, I don't worry about the ones I've killed. I worry about the next one that's out there. Right. You know what I mean? And so, yeah, I mean, it's just, you, you put the time in. A lot of people are thinking about, you know, bear hunting. They're thinking about turkey hunting. They're thinking about, you know, going out squirrel hunting to kill a weekend. I don't think like that, you know. Right. But everybody's got different goals. doesn't mean I'm any better than anybody. doesn't mean my, my way of doing things is any different than anybody else. It's just, you know, it's just, just the way I do it, you know. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yep. Well, I tell you what, Adam, I really appreciate you taking time to uh, come on the, the podcast and uh, share your stories with us. Yes, sir, man. Thanks to thanks to you for having a show like this. And, you know, you get guys out there and it's just a really good avenue for people to learn. I mean, you know, you can't really read all the time. You just drive to work and listen to it and pick up a lot of information, man. And there you have it, another podcast. Signed, sealed, and delivered from my mouth to your ears. <laughs> God, there are days where I literally feel like a jackass just talking. <laughs> but anyway, huge shout out to Adam for coming on the podcast and uh, sharing uh, his uh, hunting strategy and stories with us. Really appreciate that. Huge shout out to each and every one of you for downloading. Huge shout out to the partners of this podcast. Deer Lab, Bighorn Outfitters, Lone Wolf, Exodus, Ozonics, Gearhead, Wasp Archery, and Ripcord Arrowrest. Guys, please go out, at least take a look at the partners of this podcast and see if their products fit you and your needs. Uh, they support me, and I would love it if you would support them. Uh, thank you guys very much for uh, letting me... Uh, put these commercials in and uh, not fast forwarding through them. I really appreciate that. Other than that, guys, if you haven't already, check me out on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, spread the word about this podcast. It's gaining some momentum. Uh, and I just love sharing the stories of the average Joe. I love sh- sharing information straight from the horse's mouth as far as um, products are concerned. And then, you know, If there's anything I can do to anybody that you want to have on this podcast, whether that's, uh, you know, uh, a hunting personality, uh, a a really good hunter, or you yourself want to be on this podcast, hit me up uh, through Facebook, you know, Facebook message me, email me, 
I'm down for just about whatever I shoot from the hip. So there's never a real, you know, there's never a real bullet points that I go by for these podcasts. And I think you guys know that by now. Go to iTunes, leave a review. Uh, let me know what you think about this podcast. That I also uh, really appreciate. I'd love to hear criticism. And uh, man, it's getting that time of year where all I can, you know, other than my family, right? I mean, I'm a deer hunter, I'm a bow hunter. And this is starting to go through my brain on a daily basis, especially after looking at the trail camera pictures that I have. And uh, it is. I don't know, man, you know, a lot of people try to describe their love for nature and everything I've ever read about someone who's, you know, tries to describe their opinion or, you know, their love of nature just seems to always fall short because there's a lot of times where nature just, the words just can't describe what you feel and what you see. So, um, I don't know. I don't know why I brought that up. It's just, it's nature is a big thing for me. Um, and uh, I haven't brought this up in a long time, but guys, the Keep It Public movement, right? Right now, there are politicians out there trying to pass laws and vote to take away public hunting ground, not only in the West, but out in the East too. They're trying to change legislation. They're trying to give this this uh, ground back to the state the state is will then eventually sell it and then it screws people out of hunting rights and not just hunting rights but if you're a camper a hiker a bird watcher if you just love to take a chair and go sit all those activities are gone and gone forever so um, educate yourself on the keep it public movement educate yourself on the national deer alliance they are doing a lot of great things go sign up become a member and other than that guys if you're going to be out in a tree hanging a tree stand wear your damn safety harness have a good week